Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. I still don't see where God killed all the Jews off. You messed up. Oh, well. But after all this provision, blessing, and all the promise that God gave them, they still fell into sin again. So God, he didn't kill them off. He handed them over to their enemies. Now, some people hear this and they think, well, that's not fair. Be careful about saying what's fair and not fair. You know what we would get if we got what was fair? We all broke God's law. We have all sinned. If we got what was fair, we would all be thrown in condemnation right now and we'd never be let back out again. That would be fair. So what did he do? He handed them over to their enemy. That's not fair. No, he did it. It says to turn them back. You know, hard-headed people, they need to really get thunked upside the head a good one or two or 10 or 50 for a long time. They really need to be put through the ringer for a while before they get it. Okay, that was Israel here. That's also you and I handed them to their enemy to get them to turn back. But the Lord, even in doing this, even in handing them to their enemy, it says the Lord showed them abundant mercies and sent deliverers to save them still. Friends, when you get handed over to a trial, and the first thing you want to do is shake your fist at God and say, this ain't fair, why are you being so mean to me? I want you to consider that really it's an act of mercy that he's doing this to you. This isn't right, I don't like this. Wait a minute. It's merciful that God does this to us because he could do worse, okay? What's he trying to show you in this time of trial? What's he trying to get you to see? Somewhere along the way, you stopped trusting God. You got like as hard-necked as these guys did and said, I'm going to do it my way. And God goes, well, we'll just see how that works. And he puts some pressure on you to get you to turn back because he has promises for you. So the next time you get put through the ringer, don't get mad at God. Think, Lord, you're showing me mercy in this somehow. Thank you. And then he'll give you the provision, provision you need to get through. But he gave them everything they needed. He even sent them deliverers. Moses, uh, Joshua, I can think of, to name a few, sent deliverers to pull them out. So do you think Israel finally got it? I mean, reading the story, looking at them like their lives are in a fishbowl, we want to go, come on, Israel, don't you get it yet? Sometimes we have to look at ourselves in a fishbowl and say, Ray, don't you get it yet? Here's what happened, Nehemiah 9.28. But after they had rest, they again did evil before you. Therefore, you left them in the hand of their enemies so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried out to you, see, it was the enemies that that pressure took it, it took to do that. When they returned and cried out to you, you heard from heaven. And many times you delivered them according to your mercies and testified against them that you might bring them back to your law. 
Yet they acted proudly and did not heed your commandments, but sinned against your judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. And they shrugged their shoulders, stiffened their necks, and would not hear. Yet for many years you had patience with them and testified against them by your spirit and your prophets. Yet they would not listen. Therefore you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, in your great mercy, you did not utterly consume them, nor forsake them, for you are God, gracious and merciful. Guys, I'm beside myself trying to figure God out. I just can't. Because I'm thinking, man, after all these centuries and all this trying, all this testing, man, you mess with me once, shame on me. You mess with me twice. Oh, it's on, buddy. But don't we think like this? How dare you cross me like this? We get mad. I'm done. Get out of my life. Should God have told Israel to get out of his life? If he had, he wouldn't keep his covenant promise. Why does he keep you and I still here as much sin as we've done? Because he has good things ahead for you that he wants to promise you. And despite our mess-ups, he still wants to get us there because he loves us. So this here is a repeating problem. It's happened time and time, again and again and again. And the Israelites in Nehemiah 9, they were actually admitting here, we have failed you over and over and over. Yet every time we do it, your great mercy never ends. Guys, I want you to catch the context. They're grieving about their sin. They're sorry beyond sorry about it. And they're like, God, as many times as we, as we have messed with you, you still have mercy for us. They're amazed. Friends, I want you to leave church today amazed by your God. Not just here for Sunday, here on 10 o'clock, praise the Lord and thank you, Pastor Ray, good sermon, let's go have lunch. I want you to leave amazed about your God. Mercy. What is mercy? It means that God could have destroyed Israel, gone, but he didn't. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. So God showed them mercy, and he did not consume or forsake them. God also gave them grace, which is getting what you don't deserve. (laughs) I don't deserve heaven, but I'm going to get it because it's been promised to me through Jesus Christ. So Israel did not deserve God's continued blessing that they're talking about here, but they got it anyway because God had it all wrapped up in a powerful thing called covenant. He wrapped them in covenant, and that's why he's being this way with them. Nehemiah 9.32. Now, therefore, our God. See how they're claiming ownership. He's ours. You're mine. Now, therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, and awesome God, who keeps covenant and mercy. Look at that. Underline that. Highlight it. Whatever you got to do. He keeps it. Do not let all the trouble seem small before you that has come upon us. Our kings and our princes our priests and our prophets, our fathers, and on all your people from the days of the kings of Assyria until this day. However, you are just in all that has befallen us, for you have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. Neither our kings nor our princes, our priests nor our fathers have kept your law, nor heeded your commandments and your testimonies with which you testified against them. For they have not served you in their kingdom 
or in the many good things that you gave them, or in the large and rich land which you set before them. Nor did they turn from their wicked works. They're talking about at this point, Lord, you gave us a lot of good stuff, and we really haven't used it for you at all. I mean, I've got, I've got an income. I've got a house. I've got a car. I've got some good things. Have I really been using that for the Lord God, or have I been using it for myself? Review your inventory of what God has blessed you with. Have you really been using what God has given you, your talents, your skills, your possessions? Have you really used it for God? So they said in verse 36, well, here we are servants today. It's like we're drawing a line in the sand. Okay, what was then is then, but here we are servants today. Now we're going to get right. You see this this dedication they're going to do. And the land that you gave to your fathers to eat its fruit and its bounty, here we are servants in it. And it yields much increase to the kings you have set over us because of our sins. Also, they have dominion over our bodies and our cattle at their pleasure, and we are in great distress. So they're saying, okay, we're in the land now, but we're in trouble. we got problems going on. We didn't use the land and everything you gave us for you in the past. We understand that. But now, lying in the sand, here we are, we're servants today, but we're having some trouble with something, and, and they outlined it here. They closed their praise with a plea. They admitted their wrongs. Yes, we wronged you over and over again. But now they were explaining that they were still being pressured by the Persian Empire that they had got out of. They're not in the Persian Empire anymore, but they were now forced to take what their land produced, all their crops, and they were forced to give it to Persian kings as a tribute, like a tax. They're in their land, but man, we're being taxed like crazy here. So they realized that their sin caused a great cost. Yeah, we're delivered, but now we recognize the price. Christian, I want you to be amazed by your God today. We need to be grieved by our sin, but we also need to take realization the cost that our sin caused. It's heavy. It hurts but someone else paid for it. Nehemiah 9 and 38. And because of all this, we make a sure covenant and write it. Our leaders, our Levites, and our priests seal it. Okay, the Israelites, they wanted to make a new agreement with God. They're reflecting, man, we were just messed up. God never let us down. Here we are, proof he keeps covenant. He delivers on his covenant, and we got new trouble. We, We better make something right today. And so they wanted to make a new agreement that they would get back to following the Mosaic law that God had given for them to follow. So the people, they wanted to put their seal, means I agree to this, I'm going to bind it on my end, onto a written agreement that Israel would obey the stipulations of the Mosaic law. It was basically their time to say, Lord, we see we did wrong, you brought us back, and so we want to seal ourselves in a covenant with you to be obedient to your word, bound to you as your servants. Friends, we have rebelled against the Lord too many times over and over again. Don't just look at Israel and go, oh, them Israelites, how dare they? We've done it, okay? This is written for our example. We've done it many, many times against the Lord God. But because of God's mercy, he does not want to forsake us. This doesn't go, oh, he doesn't want to abandon me. I'll just go sin some more. No, you need to catch the sense of the cost that your sin produces. But there's no agreement that you and I could ever sign and seal 
on our own. I could get a piece of paper and have you all sign it, put a seal up here, get it notarized, whatever. That would mean absolutely nothing towards God. There's no agreement we can make because we, we're already guilty. But thank the Lord that God offers to sign and seal his own agreement with us. It's nothing we can sign that can ever do it. I remember in church history past, there was a church going around telling people, hey, pay us X amount of dollars or X, uh, pay us some money. We'll give you a document that says you're going to go to heaven. And people bought into that and they paid the church a lot of money. And they got little pieces of paper with some little wax seal on it saying, I'm going to heaven. Doesn't mean deadly dog. But God made his agreement with us and he sealed it himself. You want to see that agreement? I'll show it to you. It's good stuff. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, <laughs> who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. See, there's the cost to the praise of his glory. Friends, your inheritance is eternal life in heaven. Now, Israel realized they had been called to incredible blessing long before they themselves ever existed. They were, they, remember, they said, God, you created everything. You made all that there is, and you made covenant with us. They're realizing they were called to blessing before they were even here. And they were thankful that God would consider them so far in advance of, your, of their own time. Did you know that God thought of you and had plans for you before you were ever here? Anybody that came in here today thinking they were worthless, that you had no value, I want to show you something that will show you your worth. Ephesians 1.4, he chose us in him, that's Jesus, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. You know, I'll watch these TV shows where they dig up rocks and this is 50, 100,000 billion trillion years old and all this kind of stuff that they think they can date it. it. It must be old. But did you know that you were a thought on God's mind even before that rock made it there? Before the foundations of the earth, he thought of you. Now, I want you to remember in verse 7, we read that God chose Abram out of the land of the Chaldeans and he brought Abram into a new identity, changed his name to Abraham. He brought him out of this lost place and he brought him into a new covenant that had inheritance in it. Inheritance for Israel was bound in that, in that covenant. Same goes for us. Hebrews 9.15, Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, meaning we sinned and broke God's old law, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. This is God's work that he called you out of your lostness to bring you into a new covenant to get you to your inheritance in eternal life. So just like Abraham, God called me out of my own lostness, out of my own Chaldean land, so to speak. He brought me into an inheritance in heaven and to a completely new identity with him. I am not the same guy I was. I've lived in this town my whole life. There's people that know me from 20 years ago or more. And they say, oh, Ray, we know what you did. How can you be a pastor? I said, well, that old Ray that you knew is dead. He's gone. He doesn't exist anymore. I'm a new guy. But right now, 
I have heaven ahead of me. I've got a seal. God wrote that seal. He, he signed it. He sealed it on me in the Holy Spirit. We just read. I'm called out of my lostness. I've been called out of my sin, but I'm not home yet. Okay? Right now, I'm in this in-between area where I've been saved, but I hadn't made it to heaven yet. And it's kind of like how Israel was when they were out in the desert. They were not in bondage in Egypt anymore, but they weren't home yet either. This is where we have to learn how to trust in the Lord God, just like they did. We've got to learn to trust in the Lord God for our provision. But this is also, in this part right now, between getting saved and getting home, this is where a lot of people are tempted to appoint new leaders for themselves, like we read Israel tried to do. They have this new leadership they try to make of uh, money. Money's going to be my leader. Money dictates to me how I'm going to be happy or not happy. Money is going to determine to me how my choices are going to be, which way I'm going to go. Money's always going to direct that. It's never going to have anything to do with God. So I choose money as my new leader. Or they choose government. That's a big one. People politicize absolutely everything, and it's dividing our whole country into, into pieces. We can't agree on nothing because they've chosen a new leader for themselves. Oftentimes, the new leader people choose for themselves is self. I'm going to make my own decisions. I don't consult with God anymore. I'm going to trust in me and what I can do. I'm going to figure this out and forget God. That's called hardening your neck. That's being just like the Israelites were. We have our own version of that golden calf that we make that we want to give the glory to for our salvation. I beat that disease or I got out of that bankruptcy because I'm great. Never give God credit. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with half of your heart. Trust in the Lord with 80% of your heart. Let me sound really, really righteous. Trust in the Lord with 99% of your heart. Woo! What does it say? Trust in the Lord with all. All of your heart. And lean eh, partway on some of your own understanding, because you're pretty smart. You know what you're doing. Lean not. Trust in the Lord and get your head out of it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. He directed Israel's path. Is he directing yours? If you want him to, you need to acknowledge him. That means every time you get out of some major mess, you don't go, yes, I did it and build that golden calf. You tell people, I had nothing to do with it. Well, how'd you get out of it? The Lord God took me out of it. They're going to look at you like you're an idiot. But you acknowledge the Lord God, and he will direct your paths. He, he provided for Israel's entire journey. Even when they arrived in the land, it says the houses were already filled with goods beforehand, before they got there. God didn't want them to have to worry about how they were going to get by. So he had someone else do all the work for them. Friends, if, when I show up in eternal life, God's not going to go, okay, <clears throat> your part of eternal life is going to be over there. Here's a shovel. Get started. It's going to be there. It's going to be already set up. I don't not have to do anything. I want you to see Ephesians 2 and 10. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. It's already there. It's already set up ahead of you beforehand that we should walk in them. (laughs) 
Well, if God calls me out of where I'm at, I'm afraid of where he's taking it. You really? Are you going to be scared of where God's taking you, knowing that he's done all this stuff beforehand ahead of you that you don't even have to do? You just need to go and trust in him. It's great. Friends, somebody else already did the work for us. Somebody else has already established our provision beforehand. Consider how the Israelites pleaded for the Lord to remove that heavy tax that they were unable to bear. We're here, but man, we're getting pressured heavy. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he paid on the cross to take that heavy burden off of us. I know you're getting crushed by something. If you're getting crushed by something, you need to re-examine where you stand with the Lord God because it should not be crushing you that bad. Not as a believer, it shouldn't. He took care of that. He paid for it. The Lord paid to take the heavy price off that was taxing us to death. 1 Corinthians 6.20, you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are partially yours. There goes the abortion argument. My body, my... No, it's not yours. It is God's. It belongs to him, and we are to glorify God with it. Not just your spirit, but your body too. That's a heavy one for the day because it's politically incorrect. Well, politics is not my God. I'm going to say it the way it's stated in the Bible. Now, God sent many deliverers whenever they got in trouble. Moses, Joshua, Samson, Jesus is my deliverer. I got in trouble, and he sent Jesus to save me. But I don't deserve Jesus because I sinned, not just once. I sinned over and over again and again, just like we read Israel did here, time and time again. What I, de- what I deserve is condemnation. Lamentations 3.22, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Guys, are you amazed about your God yet? Are you excited about your God? He showed Israel so much mercy, he did not consume or forsake them because Israel was wrapped in God's covenant. You need to get in God's covenant. Ephesians 1.13, having believed, you're marked. You got that seal. Having believed in Jesus, you've got covenant wrapped with. God provides everything on the way. Who are we to hang our heads and go, woe is me? That doesn't look Christian, guys. God provides. He wraps us in covenant. And when you get saved in Jesus, that new covenant is a promise of salvation. He offered to us for free by his blood. He paid the heavy cost of our sin that we could never, ever afford. And guys, that should drive us to great thanks. If you came in here beating yourself up over your sin, I want to quickly turn that into praise now. When we look at all that the Lord God has saved us from, we should see Psalm 100 verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and to enter his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Isn't that good? Friends, I want you to turn your sorrow into thanks and to praise and praise the Lord God. Be amazed at what your Lord God has done for you. Is he not a good God? I hope none of you leave here today the way you came in. Okay? Go out better. (laughs) I gave you my best, but this was just a man's best effort. Let the word of God dwell in you and let him spike you up and get out there and show people what a real believer in Yeshua looks like. Amen?
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.